Hi everyone, welcome to Metaspace. I'm your host, Rachel Holmes. Hello. Hello. Um, Today's guest is an international author, intuitive healer, visionary spiritual mentor, teacher of metaphysics, master Akashic Record Oracle, librarian, and a mentor of mine who's helped me discover my own gifts more deeply, Amanda Romagna. Thank you, Amanda. Welcome. Hi, Rachel. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. I'm here today in Sedona, Arizona, and it's blue skies, and I'm hoping that you're all well and safe out there. Thank you. Yeah, me too. It's, um, it's an interesting time, that's for sure. Um, I was wondering if you could start before we get into your story, Amanda, because I know it's an interesting one. If you could just talk about what the Akasha is and what the Akashic records are. Great. Yeah, I, this is the subject I love talking about. So, yes, absolutely. I would love to share with you. Um, the Akashic records or the Akashic field, as it's sometimes known, probably around 20 years ago. And it was a little bit uh, where people were asking me questions of, well, how do psychics know that? Or how does intuition work? And I'm an Aries. So I, it was my search. It was my endeavor to make sense of that. And what I learned was that above us is a field of energy that creates information. And if you can think of yourself like a computer, and that computers upload information, download information, that there is a register around us of consciousness. And when you have your brain in a certain uh, way, such as meditation or dream state, we're able to actually tap into that. And now that it's 2020, some of us tap in the same ways that we have known throughout the ancient ages, And we're able to bring forward information that runs through our hearts and then runs to our brains almost or goes back and forwards. But it just gives us some intuition, some insight. And the Akashic Records, it's a database for everything. So can everyone access these records or is it kind of available to a few people or how would you... How would you describe the the, the availability, I guess, or the access that people have? In ancient times, um, such as ancient Egypt, or if you were um, in some of the indigenous tribes, or if you were in, say, the rainforests and you were a shaman, and you were in a certain way um, where you were in a meditative state, then these were often the only people that could access this information. It's um, often we hear of the oracles of Delphi in Greece, and they were gifted individuals, priests or priestesses, that could reach into the Akashic Record with their mindset and bring forward information. And people sought them out. These were the wise people, uh, the shaman, the indigenous elders. What I'm finding, though, in 2020 or in the last 10 years is that more and more of us are switching into this consciousness movement. Um, We're doing meditation practices. We're changing things in our diets. 
uh, we're giving ourselves room in our lives to explore spiritual and metaphysical arts. And what I'm finding now is that more people have access to this, more people have access to their insight, their intuition, and their psychic um, information, more than we've ever seen before. And I think it's all because as a consciousness of a spiritual movement, we're shifting into new dimensions, which means when those new dimensions open up to us, new hemispheres of the brain opened up to us as well. And at one time we had to do that with certain shamanic medicines, but as I'm just experiencing with my groups and my students, uh, they don't need any external stimulus. They are getting information themselves day by day. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I find that too, that it seems like there, well, I come across more and more intuitive people who are kind of tapped in as, as they say, and, um, I think the use of medicines or plant medicines is really kind of jumped off or it's really big, especially with younger people. And I've never personally felt the need to use them um, as I already feel pretty open or have access to a lot. But what do you say to people who feel like that's that's the way they're going to to tap in or that's the way they're going to be able to expand their consciousness. Yeah. And I totally hear you on that. And I know when I've worked with you, Rachel, you're one of my most gifted connections and that you can bring in information insight with what I call eyes open uh, visions and also eyes closed dream state. And I know that you do it from a very organic, holistic way. And I had this question put to me once when I was in the store of Atlantis in Sedona. So I'm in a shop environment. People ask me questions. And a young couple had very differing views. One was totally for it. One was totally questioning it. But the gentleman did have a valid point. And what he said was, when we first do medicines, it can kind of crack the nut open. It opens our consciousness. It opens um, those certain spaces in our brain, the hemispheres, and it can make a connection to something that's divine or in the energy space. Some of us do that through a past life connection. Some of us do that through medicines. And like myself and you, Rachel, I've never tried the medicines. I took a group to Peru last year and my group didn't even need them. And what I loved was when they were at the certain altitudes, taking their time, just doing their breathing, just opening their hearts. They were pulling in some amazing information and not just one of them. They were seeing very similar things. So I know it can be done. And when I was tuning in, my guides said, People may want to do medicines, but leave that to them at the end of the journey. It's not your journey to take them. Because mm. when I first started looking into it, because people ask me all the time, I started seeing that the traditional shaman actually went on your journey for you, or you spent three, four months studying the plant medicines and then taking the journeys. And you don't quite know sometimes exactly where you're going to go. So for some people, it serves to get them into a divine connection. My question then after that is, 
how much do you need to spend time on that? And how much do you need to stay on that? Is that the only way or are you just kind of trying to get off planet and get out of body? Um, so there is a crossing point where sometimes a decision needs to be made by the individual of how far they wish to go with that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, you know, for the people I know or I've, I've heard talk about their use of plant medicine, I think their initial intention is to expand their consciousness, but they keep going back to it for that feeling or that sense of being open and but they're not really getting any more open um and how i see it in their energy field it's it's kind of creating a cloud or this kind of darkness um that sits around them that just needs to be cleared out it's like some bit of consciousness that's not theirs but it's affecting them mm-hmm. um so that's really interesting um also just the idea of of, you know, expanding consciousness to get, to have access to this information. And I know Kundalini yoga um, was kind of developed or is taught in that same way for the most part of, of shooting your energy upward, opening up your crown chakra so that you can have access to this information. But oftentimes you'll find these people very spacey, very ungrounded and kind of like you said, living off planet in a way. (laughs) Um, So, you know, how, if you do have access to this information or um, whether it's all the time or you tap into it occasionally, how do you keep yourself from just spacing out all the time? I think uh, what can happen is it's a little bit like putting parameters around yourself. Um, I trained in remote viewing. And I trained in oracle cards and angels. And I covered so many subjects on my metaphysical journey. And every time I thought that that was what I was going to be doing. And it wasn't until someone said to me, Amanda, you're a librarian. Um, You're there to help people bring information back from the records. That I started saying that people could go into the records. But again, my question was, how do I get them in and out, detect and decode without them getting too spaced, them getting lost in translations. It's a little like doing a past life regression and then thinking that you still live in the Middle Ages. Mm, You kind of have to bring it relative. So I always prompt my students to use certain props that keep them grounded, i.e. use oracle cards where you can, remote writing when you can, If you can use it where your eyes are open, your eyes are closed, like a meditative state where what you're doing is just going in, getting information. You might ask a question and keeping a dialogue going as if you're in a modern day library. Keep the session to however long, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, Uh, starting with your, you know, your ritual. You might want to uh, light a candle, call in your guides. At the end of it, you know, you may do a thankful prayer, have a glass of water. And what I find is then that the higher self or the energetic body, the spiritual aspect, comes in and out of the physical body and they work together. And that's the beauty of it. Once they work together, you're really bringing some higher consciousness through, but you don't feel like you've left the planet or you've got lost. 
some way. So it's that tangible, intangible aspect of it, if you can bring them together. Yeah, I have a lot of questions off of what you just said. I mean, I I always do it in that kind of ritualistic way where I light a candle, I get my crystals, I have my oracle card set up, and I, and I go through meditation consciously, and then I consciously bring myself out. And that, that practice really works well for me. And I know some people have no practice around it. Um, the, some, some people I notice walk around kind of open all the time, like, you know, um, an antenna <laughs> downloading information <laughs> constantly. Um, but when you say the word librarian, because I know you call yourself a, a librarian, what do you mean by that exactly? Okay, so what I came to understand with the terms, uh, I teach two what we call um, levels of psychic uh, tuition um, ability. And one of those is the Oracle Mastery. And one of those is the Akashic Records. And they both run very similar in the same format. However, when I was working with both of those different um, workshops, courses, what I was learning was that an Akashic librarian is exactly the same way as, say, you're going to a modern day um, a modern day library. And if you just visualize along with me, um, eyes open or eyes closed. But imagine it's, I always imagine the one in New York, um, the beautiful library that I think it's around beside Fifth Avenue. And you're walking up the stairs, you're walking into the library. The first thing that you will be met with normally is the desk where the librarian sits. And you would often go and you would say, okay, um, I want to look at 15th century history in Italy. And she may look through her Rolodex, may pull a card out, or she may direct you or have someone take you in. You would go then, find the books that you need, the information, and then bring the information back out. She'll stamp it that you've taken and received that information. And that will be the relationship you have with her. Now, you may also inquire at the same time, well, where is the oracle? What does the oracle do? Is that the same? She's giving messages from the Akashic field. My piece of information with that is that the oracle sits in sort of the children's section and she's reading from the library books and giving you information. Mm. Now, you can be both, but I find that once you kind of know and remember how a library works... And you can technically feel it. And if you were going through that visualization, come back to, to me now on three, two back in your body and one eyes open, please. I always forget sometimes to do that. <laughs> um, and we don't want you lost in the libraries of light. <laughs> but what I find is that that's two sources of information. And I think there's some great movies that we've seen over the years uh, where we've seen these kind of aspects of how libraries work. And they're very, very symbolic. In ancient times, there was a lot of um, symbolization with libraries, especially the ones that held the scrolls and the records of the ancient times. And I know many people connect with those still in their dream time. So a library would be... Um, um, who directs to the information in the yeah. library and then the oracle would be someone who already knows where that information is or I guess has a direct connection with it and is 
giving you that information. Yes. Traditionally, oracles, where we find them, um, where I've worked with them and been to visit, um, we visit them in their shrines. And what happens with that is they would, in, say we were in an Egypt temple, um, and I visited one in um, Medina Habu in September 2019. And what we found was there was a certain shrine, and the shrine had three parts. And it was in the back that the oracle lived, and then the oracle came into the main part. People would be presented, and the oracle would give them the information. Traditionally, oracles in Egypt were used to settle disputes and also to give divination to um, royalty or dignitaries, people with power and influence. And traditionally, that's how um, they were used and worked with. Whereas the librarians would go and retrieve the scrolls, retrieve the information. They would work with the scribes to make sure the ancient wisdom was connected and written down. And once you kind of understand a dynamic of that in an ancient time, if you can apply that to, say, an etheric library, I call it the Akashic cloud or the spiritual cloud, it works in a very, very similar way. And once the consciousness kind of gets gets to gear with that, I then find that the left brain will accept going into the Akashic records and the right brain starts to bring that information through. Because the left brain often will say, well, how does that work? And the mind monkey starts to chatter. And the minute you get doubt and ego, that's when it closes the doorways down. And that's when people will say, you know, I was seeing fairies and ghosts up till five year old. And then this particular family member or teacher told me it was ridiculous to believe in that. And I've been trying to get back to that state ever since. Mm, so, yeah. yeah. So giving people or giving yourself the tangible ways of thinking, well, you know, that could work. And I can see her point of view. It's like tick, tick, tick. You're opening your consciousness up. And it's not necessarily that I open people's consciousness up. But what I do is I give them a space to give themselves permission to do that. And that's when they start creating the magic. And I know, Rachel, when you've watched some of my um, temple training classes, you've had so many questions because just being presented with that information opens a lot of access up. Yeah, it does. I, I love your temple training and um, get so much out of them. Um, when you were talking about the Akashic records in the library and how your higher self accesses them or works with, I guess, your earth self. How, how would you describe that? Would you, would you say it's like your, I guess, just a higher level, level of consciousness, which we call our higher self, accessing the information and grounding it down into our bodies? Yeah, and it brings it through in many, many different ways. Um, and some of it in my profession, you know, some of it's good, some of it's a bit challenging, some of it's a little bit, oh my gosh, I don't want to be even thinking of that or looking at that. And you have to kind of check in, is this what's feeling inside of me or is this I'm picking up? It's like you said before, my antenna is up mm -hmm. and I'm listening for messages. And therefore for me, I only sort of see two, three people a day because sometimes you can get overloaded with it. And 
when I'm giving information or I'm pulling things from the records or taking people into the records, what can often happen for me is I'm seeing it at the same time. So I kind of want to give myself some gentleness because I'm working at that higher vibration. And how you'll often know that you're working with that is you'll come out of it and you'll crave a certain food or you'll crave a certain drink. Um, you may need to lie down or you may be totally energized. Everyone's different. Um, I remember coming off when I've come out of temples, when we've been taking groups through Egypt, one of the th first things I do when we get back to the hotel and I'm having my decompression, I have a black coffee. And I know that sounds a strange thing, <laughs> but what it does is it grounds me. I have no sugars, no milk, no nothing in it. It's just one espresso, one black coffee. And what happens then is it puts me back into my body and I actually learned that trick from a Native American, um, he's like a chief, a shaman. And I remember we'd done ceremony and we'd been working in Central America together. And I said to his wife, what are you getting? And she said, I'm getting him a Coca-Cola. And I said, but he's a shaman. And she said, this, <laughs> this is how he decompresses, one Coca-Cola. And that's all he has, but it puts him back. It's like, it grounds him. And, you know, it's the color of the drink. It gets you back onto an earth base. So that's my way of my own personal way of dealing with it. Um, but many people have different ways of coming out of their, you know, their their space and place. Because often sometimes if I've been in session, I don't remember what we've talked about, where we've been, uh, because we're working at a different dimensional plane. Mm. Yeah, I, I always get really tired and I crave fat, like any kind of fatty food. <laughs> and that helps me feel more grounded. Um, question about the information that's in the Akashic Records. Um, you were saying how it's kind of a place where all information is stored, but can you be specific about what people can find there and how they can use that information that they that they find for themselves. Absolutely, certainly. When I first started working in the Akashic Records, it was very much around the libraries of light connected to the past lives. And if you imagine that we're all sat here, right here, right now, um, we carry our own physical DNA, but we also carry what I call spiritual DNA. And if you are one a person that believes in reincarnation, it's very easy to understand that we've kind of been sometimes through this planet or other planets before. The Akashic field, the Akashic records stores everything and it stores it like a timeline historically. It also stores who was there with you, what happened and the secret of working in the Akashic records for your greater healing and clearing is to understand where there is karma or emotional imbalance there. And that's where working in the Akashic Records can really help you because sometimes our traumas are held in our past lives um, or our childhood. Um, I've also found that the Akashic Records stores your cosmic connections and cosmic lives. It stores your life between lives, which is when this lifetime here finishes, where do you go to or where is your soul moving through while it's preparing to come back to earth 
or go to another location. And then I've also found that it does store future lives, but that's the only area that when you go into it, either in regression or looking, it kinds of it's always in gray or it's it's not tangible because it's yet to be determined. So you can have many different outcomes in that area. And often what we will say is we'll go into a different timeline because, again, it's how our brains work with our consciousness levels at the moment um, to try and understand it. And the one thing I will say to people is this. When you hear someone say, oh, I've just wiped all my Kashuk records out over all my lifetimes. I went to a workshop. What I will say is this. It must be very difficult to do that. Because a lot of times you're with people in these lifetimes. So as you erase yourself from that timeline, you're actually erasing a memory for them. So what I would, in my teaching, I advocate that all records stand, but you can rebalance the karma. You can remove your emotional um, attachments to that to gain some understanding and you can what we call rise above that to look at it as if it's a movie, take your understanding, but then move along from it. And I find that that's a way of understanding it. I see. It's, um, don't you think it's even possible to wipe your records clean? I mean, there's so many interactions we have and there's so much that happens in a lifetime. I mean, that just seems unfathomable to me I don't know do you think that's possible um you know you could do you could erase all all source of yourself because again it's energy and it's a Mm. vacuum of energy but what I would say is what you're also possibly going to lose is a lot of your gifts your initiations your ascension um some great relationships learning that you've had along the way and it's very difficult to then say, well, you know, this is me and I'm just this this vessel ready to start again. Because if you've come so far on the journey, um, why would you want to go back to square one? I agree. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to do this all again. And that's the thing is, you know, you and I are having a conversation like this and people are listening. Um. I could say, well, I'm erasing myself out of this, but where that would leave you with the radio is um, your show is you just asking questions and not getting any responses. Mm. You know, yeah. that's that's where it kind of, I had to sit with that a long, long time and go, well, can you do that? And then I learned, yeah, you can pull out the karma, pull out the emotions, but because there's other interactions with people, it it's very... It, I can't fathom out how you would extract yourself fully without it having, like we've seen in certain movies, you extract yourself and timeline shift, which means all those other souls and people have a different outcome. Mm. So it's I, what was the movie I was watching? I watched the Back to the Future movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, eventually he just wants to take everything back to normal. Um, but he can't change the fact that he was physically there. Yeah, it makes you think or it makes me think that it's something that you don't want to mess with too much because it's it can be hard for us to fully comprehend 
um, the effects of us doing something like that, kind of playing with our, our, with our records too much. Yeah, it's what I find is it's a very, very powerful tool that um, can be very insightful. And that's why I use the words of, well, we detect and we decode. What am I seeing in this past life that may have happened? It may not have happened. Um, but it's what my consciousness is showing me to teach me in the present time today. Mm. Where I found it gets sometimes dangerous or a little bit imbalanced, sometimes even unhinged, is um, when we would take people to Egypt and people would take on a, a different persona. And what would often happen is that they would take on a different name. They would take on a whole different identity and it would become very difficult for them to then work with others because they didn't exactly know their true reality as they were. And therefore what, when I'm doing past life regressions or record readings from past what I often say to people is, okay, were you male? Were you female? Look at what you're wearing. What type of life do you have? What type of work? But it's very rare that I will say, okay, you were such and such from this timeline. What I might say is, oh, it appears in your records. You are around the timeline of with these actions um, during this time or this wartime or this time of um, change in the world. So what it does is it gives information to help people examine their Akashic records without taking in what I call pinpointing and locking them back into the past because that's they've gone through the past. They're here and present. And therefore, it's about bringing the information back, looking at it, being curious with it, and then deciding what is in your best and highest interests to use with that rather than the information and situation using you. Yeah. What do you tell people um, who are aware of what their soul signed up for this lifetime? They're aware of their gifts, but still want to have a different experience. <laughs> they have decided at some point in their lifetime, I'm either tired of doing what I've you know signed up to do this time around or I just want to have a different experience. I, I've changed my mind mm -hmm. um, and they want to change the records and, and change that experience. So what I find is with the records is it's not set in stone how you do your life. It When you come in, as I understand it, when I do a session, one of the first things I will say to someone is, okay, give me your date of birth. And they will give me their date of birth. I'll add up the numbers. And then I will say, okay, when you came into this lifetime, you came in through doorway number, if it was myself, doorway number eight, which means in your lifetime, Amanda, if I was reading for myself, you're here to help people with psychic development, mystical arts, karma, cause and effect, money, abundance. Um, and that's kind of my lessons, but how they show up for the rest of my life is entirely up to me. So in answering your question about what I would say to someone is you have absolutely free will that you can say enough, stop, um, hold on one minute. 
let me just, you know, gather myself and let me move this through this with some more gentleness and ease and grace. And therefore, yes, you can negotiate changes. Our lessons are our lessons, but they frame in very many, many different ways. Um, and therefore, it gives us themes. It gives us energies to work with. It gives us challenges. But I'm a believer that we create a lot of what is in front of us anyway, so we can change that. But what I often find is if you stay true to your path of your themes of lessons and understand that, um, you can make headway along, but you can definitely change how those lessons arrive at your door. I see. So that, that this is what I'm curious about, the headway. Um, and, and perhaps, you know, this is something that many people think about, you know, if, for instance, if you're here to be of service to other people, to help in some way, to help with um, healing people or expanding people's consciousness or, you know, um, taking care of the earth and you decide you don't want to do that. Um, how does that show up in your records? I mean, you, I, I know that we're here to learn lessons. Mm -hmm. Um, so is it kind of like a poor mark, <laughs> almost like a report card, or is it just pushed no. off to a different time? So here's what's interesting. Your lesson could be, um, I'm here to be of service. If you're not servicing what you need and not being of service to yourself, then perhaps um, you may be compromising yourself and your higher self is like, hey, this is why these situations, because you're not meant to be a servant. You're meant to be of service to self, not in a selfish way or an ego way, but just saying, hey, you know, I need to take care of myself. And, you know, I want some assistance and I want some help with that. But I'm also willing to do this for myself and help with that in that way. The one thing to remember about the earth, Mother Earth, our beautiful, beloved Gaia, she will take care of herself. And a lot of us, we have to be respectful of that, I feel. Um, but we can go about that taking care of ourselves as she takes care of our, herself and work in some kind of um, congruent way together. So it's very interesting once you start playing and what often people will do with their records is they're getting the words. It's just recognizing the words as the contracts that they are. Um, all the answers are in our hearts. They're all within ourselves. Sometimes we just have to unlock it and then we can make choices going forward. Um, it's very difficult because we have a set way that we think sometimes spiritual life should be because we're remembering how it used to be when we were ancient ones, shaman, shamana, priest, priestess. We lived in a community that took care of us and we took care of that. Now we're here as spiritual sovereign beings taking care of ourselves. So sometimes it's about getting the wiring of the path ahead um, and figuring that out. But saying that, you mentioned about the poor mark um, at the end of the time. What I have found is that when we do cross over um, in whichever way that we go, that there are certain beings or energies that will have what we call our Akashic records in front of us. 
and not in a way of critical or anything. They just will simply say, this is what you learned and this is how you move through this lifetime. And when you're ready, you can go back and reincarnate and learn these key lessons should you wish. Everything is about free will with our souls. Yes. Um, what you were saying about the uh, how we used to do things or spirituality used to look very different or our connection with um, spirit and the earth is very different from it is now. I, I think that's a, a good thing for people to hear because, you know, even when I look at my past life experiences and, um, and how I connected with people and, and what I did, it's so different than it is now. And, and there's parts to me that kind of wish it was more like it used to be because in my mind it's somehow easier, but that's just, I guess, what I've been used to. Or, you know, um, and so re reminding myself that it's like we're creating this new way of functioning or it's this new way of incorporating um, our energies together. And um, I think it, it feels more like co-creating um, to me as opposed to individual creation. Um, yeah, it's more like community creating mm -hmm. than just... Uh, self-creation in some ways um there's another question that i wanted to ask you um let me just take a look at my notes oh so can you uh let us know if if you want to learn more about accessing your akashic records or if, if you know if you want um if someone wants to have you take them through them and look where they can go Mm -hmm. how they can reach out to you? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's very, very easy. You just simply go to www.amandaromania.com and you can send me an email. You can sign up for a session. You can take a look at the certain things that I've been doing. And we do a few different levels. The temple training is 45-minute videos where I'm talking, um, or we're giving kind of regressions and we make those really affordable. They're like uh, what I call my $10 initiations. And then, you know, we have the temple mastery programs where it's one-to-one -one training mentorship. There's sessions you can book. There's even a complimentary 15 minutes. If you want to talk about, well, Amanda, I'm thinking about coming on a journey with you. Amanda, I'm thinking about signing up for some um, of your mentorship, your training programs so that you can, have access to connecting with me. And then we always have our Atlantis store here in Sedona um, where we have product, we have a healing bed, we have a healing therapist that works with us and you can book in to come in for session or you can actually book by appointment to come in, have a bed, do some shopping. And that's a great way to kind of sometimes feel into the questions because not everyone's comfortable asking those questions, especially if you're traveling from outside. Um, and we do do virtual shopping. So you can be at home doing your online shopping with us as well. So we try to make it as comfortable and as convenient. But again, everything just goes through the www.amandaromania.com. Perfect. And then last thing I want to ask you, because I think it's um, always nice to hear people's story. Uh, you could just tell us how you how you became how you got to this place of being an oracle, the process you went to, because I know you didn't 
pop out of the womb knowing that you're an oracle librarian. Oh, I love that pop out of the womb. Oh, bless. <laughs> so I grew up in a, you know, a beautiful um, part of the northeast of England, um, an only child with, you know, really lovely, darling parents. And I w- I'm only five foot tall. Um, so I had to navigate school and I just found that I was kind of very emotionally away. I went into retail. I was I had my own chain of shoe shops. And then when I kind of got to my late 20s, I lost a baby. Um, and what I found was that at that point, what happened for me was I actually um, was in a certain state where I actually left and crossed over from the planet. The doctors brought me back, but I started having these very strange dreams and connections and messages that I just couldn't find the answers to. So I started my discovery at that time. Um, A few years later, I did have my daughter, but I was a single parent running my businesses, but I kept having these visions and thoughts. And that was back in 1995. And for me, once it got to the year 2000, I just had this quest for knowledge. And I started going to a place in Glastonbury where I had my mentor, Isis, and I started going on her journeys, taking her courses, Flower of Life, Magnified Healing, training with Doreen Virtue. And I just went on this um, overload to get information. But what I found was that it was a training ground And I was gaining so many initiations, knowledge and wisdom, but it was simply remembering. And I'm in Aries with Aquarius rising. So what that means is I have to, my Mars kind of puts me in a state of, well, what does this mean? How do we connect with this? So I was always self-checking myself. And then in kind of 2006, I'd found my way to Bali for a healing conference. And it was at that point I started to see that actually people need me for sessions. People were asking me, Amanda, can you do a reading for me? Can you teach me about this? And that became where it was a crossover. So by day, I was um, working in my shoe shops, training staff, working with customers. And then on the weekends or the evenings, I was giving oracle readings. And at the same time, what was interesting was I was attending a place called Durham University. And I'd finished my master's in business and I was doing my doctorate. And I wanted to do it at that time about spirituality in business. Did it have a place? And now many people say, yes, it does. But back then, uh, 10 years ago, no, it didn't. And finally, I had to jump ship. And I created a consultancy business that was around the esoteric. And I wrote my first book about Akashic Records And that started the journey moving for me. And I came to Sedona and made my home here in 2013. And it just developed from there. But what I found was that I had to stay on my path, but at the same time, 
be very realistic and using my business skills to create something that was of tangible value that is a totally intangible kind of service yeah and in this day and age especially now june we're into three eclipses i think this month many things are changing out there in the world for us and i'm i'm busy um, I'm helping people where I can, supporting them with um, regressions, teachings, sessions, and helping them make sense of a world that six months ago looked very different. Yeah, everything has been changing so quickly. And it's, it's um, I'm sure for a lot of people, it's hard to keep up or it's, it's hard to um, even energetically for, for people's bodies to keep up. I've been having so many shifts, um, mostly intense headaches, neck pain, upper back pain, um, my vision coming and going. Um, and then, you know, it all just lifts, but it's like periods of, of these sh uh, shifts um, and visions that I get. But um, it is a very interesting time. Uh, Amanda, thank you for your time. Um, it's always so great to talk to you, and I learn so much every time I get the chance to. And um, I hope everyone gets to visit your website and learn more about you. Um, and I just want to say your website again. It's www.amandaromania.com. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Rachel. Absolutely delighted to connect with you today. Thank you for giving me some time. It's always a pleasure working with you. God bless and thank you. You're welcome.